Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's premier home for student-run radio since 1971. That's over 50 years now. Happy 50th, WEGL. I'm your host, Jack Hart, alongside my color man, Davis Carroll, joined by the incomparable Alex Houston and the one and only Daniel Locke joining us in the booth for the first time today. Welcome, Daniel, onto the show. We'd like to welcome in our listeners as well and viewers from around the Auburn Opelika Megaplex and around the world, however you may be tuning in today, whether that be on your terrestrial radio antenna through the information superhighway at WEGLFM.com or tuning in after the fact on by listening to our podcast or by watching us on Eagle Eye TV. We are happy to have you here in the booth with us for Auburn's only student-run drive-time morning show. And now, as we are broadcasting live from the Bradley Bates and WEGL studios in the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University, where it is a lovely 71 and drizzly outside this fine Thursday morning, we are welcoming you to Compact Discourse. We wish, wish you a most sincere good morning as we finally get on with the show. Davis, how are we doing today? Making it? Making it feels good outside. Wearing your tiger shirt. My my sad tiger shirt. He looks really really pensive today. Are you able to see that? I I can see it. I mean the camera for I, people at home. We're on the high cam. Okay, Alex, never mind. how you feeling? I'm doing pretty good. Very excited for another week of uh, our weekend of college football. Just you know, it's exciting that it's back. You know, I I thought last year would be good and fine without the crowd, but really having this experience, it's just very exciting to watch and see it all. Especially Auburn's game against Penn State, and there's a game going on tonight. That's on a Thursday, but I'm not going to talk about that in extensive detail. But yeah, just excited for what's what's ahead. Good to have sports back for real, ready to talk about some sports as we do on a Thursday here on Compact Discourse. And Daniel, welcome to the show. How are you doing this fine Thursday morning? Thank you, Jack. I'm doing pretty good. I appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm really loving Auburn so far. I'm glad I can uh, be here when we have full crowds at Jordan-Hare. I'm uh, very excited to make the trip up to Happy Valley this weekend. I'm doing pretty good. Awesome. Well, I will be making that trip as well. And I think Jacob Hillman, who's coming on the show later, is making that trip as well. So we'll be sure to talk about that at length as we go on throughout the show. Bay Marks will also be joining us at 8.30 for another exciting episode of Uniform Factor. So get excited for that one. And if you're not already, be sure to check out our video live stream on the WEGL YouTube page to check out the visuals for that one. At this point, I would like to remind our audience that if at any point in the next two hours you feel so inclined to ask us a question, drop us a hot take, or in the highly unlikely event that we get something wrong, if you want to correct us, go ahead and call in at 334-844-9345. That's 334-844-WEGL on your touchtone keypad. You can also shoot me a tweet at cdiscau. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U, and I'll be sure to get to that one as soon as I can as well as the phone, so let me know if that green light is lighting up behind me. All right, well, we're going to get on with the show today. How are you guys feeling? Are you enthused about this weekend? Um, I know we're going to get to sports, but are there any of the non-sports things you're excited about? I know, I know me and Daniel are heading up to Penn State. How are you guys spending your weekend? I have to broadcast a game on Saturday with Alex. You get to broadcast a oh, game okay. on Saturday with Alex. Oh, okay, I get to broadcast. Pardon me. And then after that, don't have anything else to do. Good to hear. I mean, that game is at what time? 
I don't actually remember. I think it's um, one thirty on Saturday. Yeah, that that would make sense. Alex, the guy broadcasting it, play hey, by play, doesn't I, know. I, I'm it working is. on my research right now. Okay, I, I know what I'm doing. All right, well that's good to hear. So yeah, we do have an exciting weekend of sports coming up right here on WEGL as well as around the country. But you do want to check out both Auburn soccer and Auburn volleyball, which are playing this weekend. I mean, you can be sure to listen to those on WEGL, which is the exclusive radio home of both of those sports who are doing very well for themselves, I might add. Auburn volleyball still undefeated and Auburn soccer with just a lone loss to the number one team in the country. So excellent performance by both of those teams and the football team still undefeated as well as they will be making their trip up to Pennsylvania this weekend. All right, let's get right into it. You guys feeling okay about the weather? The rain is here to stay. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the rain is going to persist until next Wednesday. Wonderful. I, I've managed to avoid it. Like yesterday, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. And then today, you know, there was no rain in the walk here, so that was pretty good. So it hasn't been as bad as it's, you know, those random torrential downpours of like the last two weeks. This has been mildly improved, at least based on my experience. But I don't know if uh, other people have had bigger issues than that. But for me, it's been okay. So I had to replace my laptop last week because I got caught in one. Oh, okay, but that's... Now we got a waterproof backpack and a new one, so we're all good. Live and learn. Live and learn. I suppose that, yeah, I, yeah, I don't... That's bad. Ouch. Yeah. So a few campus announcements we do want to bring to your attention. Auburn University has, of course, initiated a new scholarship initiative at Auburn to address accessibility for students. Auburn has announced a new scholarship and financial aid initiative called Ever Auburn that will make the Auburn experience accessible to deserving students who have the intellect, the drive, and the desire, but not necessarily the means to attend Auburn University. Uh, Bill Hardgrave, provost and senior vice president of academic affairs, was quoted as saying, Today we face a challenge that speaks directly to our core values of education, family, and concern for others. The essence of this initiative is access. We must provide a way for more talented, high-quality students to come to Auburn. We must help them because it's who we are, it's in our DNA, and who it, it's who we've always been as a land-grant institution. So if you want more information about that, you can check out your This Week at AU email, or you can just head over to the university and look up the Ever Auburn Initiative. All right, and some more campus notices, the Red Cross Blood Drive. Today is the last day of that one uh, going on this week. So September 14th to 16th, the Red Cross Blood Drive is still available. Uh, freshman forum call-outs will be held tomorrow on September 17th. I believe Weagle Stages, or Auburn Stages rather, has been canceled this week, but that will be back next week due to the rain. So be on the lookout for that one. Follow WEGL underscore AU on Instagram if you are privy to that information. So no Auburn Stages this week. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, Emerge at Auburn is kicking off Emerge Presents Speaker Series with Alex Sheen. That's coming up on September 30th. So be sure to check out that one on emerges AU Involve page if you are at all interested in that speaker series. Uh, Glomerata contracts are now open if you are interested in providing any kind of, if you have a student organization, you are eligible for a contract at the Glomerata. So go ahead and make your way over to that office or contact them by email if you are interested in making an appearance in the Auburn yearbook, Making History. Do you have any fond memories of the Glomerata, Davis? I recently found out there's a photo of me in the Glomerata that I posed for, which I don't remember happening freshman year. How? Oh, I just told you, Alex, I don't remember uh, it. Uh, 
I just I got sent a picture of me with uh the one of the people that work on the glom and uh yeah no recollection I thought I think I got mind wiped like men in black do you think one day in the future they won't even have to take pictures for the glomerata they can just based off who they know is at the university just digitally create them would they have your ID photo they could deep fake you Get all the cameras around Auburn. Nah, I'm thinking the ne- the next evolution is they do away with human photographers and just have drones flying around at random, snapping people in entirely candid photos because nobody's aware of what's happening. I think that that, and then eventually, mm. I think deep fakes are cooler. I mean, I said the n- never mind. What? Whatever. Alex, I was also in the glom. That's what I was about to ask because I, I knew yes. Alex worked for it. I didn't. No, I didn't work for it. I was just in it. Okay, you were in it. Oh, you were. Like in, as in, there's a photo of me in one of the books. Do you remember posing for it? Um, yes. It was on. It was on. Uh, Cater. Uh, the front porch of Cater. I was doing homework, and they're like, "Hey," and I was like, "Oh, you're doing homework on Cater?" Yeah. Okay. Weirdo. What? Typical Auburn student. Strange place to do Auburn or homework. <laughs> Strange place to do what, Davis? That's like. That's like one of those like. Stereotypical. You see it in the brochure for Auburn. You see it in the glomerata. Doing doing exactly. homework on the. Gl- uh, uh, you were doing it. Nat. You weren't. You weren't. You didn't pose. You were doing homework there naturally. Yeah. What, weirdo. I mean, you're like a brochure kid. Got got to change it up. I mean, I can't be doing homework at the apartment all the time. And do it at the library. I I tried doing that at the library, but then I get distracted. With, Panera. <laughs> what? The mac and cheese, really. Yeah, I just can't. I can't study because I'm just thinking about eating the mac. You eat it once and then you're good. Um, and then I eat it again. Alex, oh my good. I'm glad you have a good metabolism because you eat like a horse. (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally kidding, but in reality, I don't. I know know you're not. I've, I, I've known you since high school, Alex. I know. I know how you can eat. Davis, do do we really want to get into battle of this right now at this time, eight thirteen in the morning? Because this is Jack's show. I, I would say no. Yeah, there exactly. Go. There we go. We'll have to punt on the eating like a horse discussion <laughs> until next. Eat like we'll a dog. <laughs> All right, so we are going to talk about sports coming up in the next segment. I believe we've got some NBA fans in the house, so we will be discussing some NBA news that is coming around in the off season as we gear up for the NBA season to tip off next week. We've also got Thursday night football coming on tonight with Alex's beloved team redacted against the New York Giants. And then we've also got an entire slate of college football to discuss and preview for you, including Auburn versus Penn State coming up this Saturday evening. We've also got Bay Marks coming on in a few segments to discuss uniform factor with us. We've got a pretty exciting Thursday show as they tend to be. So don't go anywhere. Compact Discourse will be right back after these messages. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WeagleFM.com, and Eagle Eye TV. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WEGLFM.com, or however you may be listening or watching us today. Thank you for sticking with us during the break, and be glad you're not in here in the booth with me having to hear Alex and Davis argue with each other. 
All right, we are uh, jumping right into sports talk, as we are wont to do on a Thursday morning. And we got some NBA fans in the house, so we're going to run down some hot NBA headlines that are coming on uh, this offseason, including the new ruling that NBA coaches will be allowed to wear casual attire rather than suits during games uh, for the first non-COVID season. Wait, don't all... I, I, do all NBA coaches always wear suits? Supposed to. That's thought, the rule. But Spol- they didn't. I thought Spolstra has not does not wear, traditionally wear suits for some reason. Uh, he wears like he wears like a he kind of does. He wears formal, like semi formal. But now I they think can you're just allowed to wear like suits. a track suit. Yeah. Okay. That's that, what Steve Nash did all season. Okay. Yeah. So, but now that's like an official thing where it's no longer going to be enforced. Is what you're saying? Yes, that's correct. Okay. I mean, it's the second season. Steve Nash can it. wear his track suit. Good. Yeah. Good for him, I guess. I don't know. So. Yeah, we're eh on this. Doesn't matter. I mean, I never really cared, like, because, like, that, for some people that's been, like, a thing, but, like, because, you know, people are like, oh, man, like, all the great college basketball coaches, for example, like, wear it. I'm like, Bruce wears whatever he wants, and, it, I mean, I mean, nobody really cares. I, like, I never thought it Does really Bruce mattered. Wear, Bruce always wears the suit, and he always takes off the Not jacket when he starts Bruce, sweating. But like, but, like, there's, like, some games where Bruce would just wear, um like, the zip-up jacket instead. I remember Last that. I don't think. Polo. Yeah, exactly. So like, he, okay. no, he, no. For big games, Bruce wears the suit because he knows eyes are on him, and then he throws the jacket thing, and people lose their minds. But it's not like an every game thing. Okay. I would say. I guess I don't pay attention to Bruce as much as other people. But like, it just it just depends. But like again, it like you know, Shashevsky. He even Shashevsky sometimes doesn't wear. It. It's like at, like it never was a big thing. So like, I'd be surprised if anybody actually like has an issue with that. People really get their bee in a bonnet about this in baseball. Yeah. <laughs> when the managers don't wear the um, the team jersey, the team or jersey, even though they don't even have to, yeah, it's, I mean, just, it's old tradition. Let that, it die. That's Who not cares? yeah. It's not surprised. The older the sport and the older the tradition, the more people are going to be mad when it's not. You know, they look goofy. I'll say it. They, I think I'll say it's unique. So I kind of like it. I will say it is both unique and they do look goofy. I think you guys you can go. both be correct. Um, Gabe Kapler, he looks fine. Dave Roberts, he looks fine. Dusty Baker. He can wear a hoodie, for all I care. He, I mean, he doesn't need to be suiting up. I feel bad for the guy. One time, Alex Cora, the manager of my beloved Boston Red Sox, in a spring training game, wore a, like, a polo, I think, and people lost their minds over it. And I just remember, like, it's not a big deal. We're winning the game, and it's a spring training game. So I've just never really understood the big deal, like, let people wear what they want. Old head baseball fans. I was about to say, when in, when in doubt, if sports fans are angry about some old tradition with no point, it's probably baseball. That's like just old, it, old head baseball fans are objectively some of the most annoying fans. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, can't yeah. hit a home run when you're up. No, you got to let the pitcher win. Ah! <laughs> That's all it is. It's, He's not wrong. I think there's an argument to be made. There is an argument to be made, but you can be less annoying about it. <laughs> I mean, an argument to be made that, <laughs> that ba- old head oh, baseball yeah. fans are terrible. Absolutely, yeah. Yes. Okay, so all right, I think I think I'm I'm pro I'm pro tracksuit in the NBA. Yeah, like do whatever you want. I mean, who cares? All right. Um, next piece of news is that there are vaccine mandates in place for NBA referees and for most team staff, but there will not be one for the players. I, th- I I'm going to be honest. I think that is well. I wonder why. I think there's two reasons they may not have done that. One is because referees are direct employees of the NBA, whereas the teams and the players on the teams are not. But you said it was team staff included, right? Or just NBA Some staff? team staff. Most team, Most team staff. staff. Okay, so in that case, then do you dare raise the argument that the only reason the NBA didn't do that is because the players have a platform to say no? 
and the referees don't. I think that and the fact that they can afford to replace a referee. They can't afford to replace LeBron James. LeBron True. James will get vaxxed. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, that no, was but, but, but an example is if, if you pick any of the top 15 players and pick one of them to say no, then you got a problem is what Jack, I think what Jack is saying. Like, not just a LeBron, but anybody. I, I know. I agree with them. I'm just, whatever. But I, I think that's, I mean, <laughs> I get that, but like that really, you know, that, I don't know, that just kind of, I'm not going to say it defeats the purpose necessarily, because it, it does certainly if you have more of a percentage of people in your, you know, vicinity vaccinated as in team staff and referees. But it's like, it's almost like the only reason you're not doing it is because you know that there could be negative reaction from players and you want to avoid that seems like you know, the wrong reason to not enforce it. I don't know. Like, I think, oh, man, they'll be mad, therefore I won't enforce this thing seems rather, I don't know, just, I'd, I'd rather be more uniform than anything else. Like, I mean, enforce it to everybody. I mean, I really, because I really think when in doubt, mo I don't think you'd lose many top players, because that's a lot of money. Like, even if they don't want to, I think they'd do it. Like, you know, that's, we've seen that with people who have said one thing, but when their company forces them to do it, they will do it. Because they want to make that money. So I, I don't think that's a big of an issue. And I, I just, I think unless they asked the players and got like a, hey, we have this percentage that said no, it seems odd to me that they wouldn't without trying it. Because again, I really don't think many of the top guys would say no. Yeah, it makes me wonder if they did have some kind of yeah. survey like that. Or maybe they spoke to the PA. Well, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm definitely, there was negotiation with the with Chris NBA Paul Player Association. He's not the president anymore. Aww. I'm pretty sure it's Malcolm Brogdon now. With Grant Williams as the vice president? <laughs> I'm getting old. I don't know these people. Uh, Grant Williams is the guy in the Celtics who Celtics fans sometimes like and then sometimes very much don't like. Is that true, Daniel? He played for Tennessee. He played for Tennessee. He was really good at Tennessee, actually. I don't like him, oh. personally. I, I was say, we have a Celtics fan in the house, so that, that, that's a that's good source. But, I like him. Um, i say it. I, yeah, I guess there must be, but I feel like most of the play, big players are vaccinated. Like Chris CJ McCollum's the president now. I don't know. And jo Andre Iguodala's the vice president. Harrison Barnes the secretary treasurer? There must be something that they heard from the NBA PA, and the NBA PA must have heard, PA must have heard from players. You know, If insert this player here, you know, three or four guys who are big names said no, then the NBA PA probably has something to say. Yeah, so. they have a problem on their hands. Yeah. All right, next piece of news is that Aaron Gordon agrees to a four-year, $92 million contract extension with the Denver Nuggets. I Actually, I do have something else about the vaccine thing oh. I just read, if you want to hear it. Go ahead. Roughly 85% of NBA players are vaccinated, and players who are unvaccinated will be held to stricter protocols, which include having lockers far from vaccinated teammates or having to eat, fly, and ride buses in different sections. Which, again, so that begs the question of why not mandate it, because I think that would be additional motivation. But, again, they must have heard something. Well, I'm sure like they're like, okay, you don't have to get it, but you also have to do all this. And they're yeah. like, okay, I'll go ahead and get it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So. I don't want to be sentenced to the NBA leper colony. <laughs> And as for they, that, make a whole, they make an unvaccinated team. I that Aaron Gordon news. I don't know. There were times last year when he looked good, and times last year when he did not look like he was worth anything close to ninety-four million dollars. I think so. his upside's worth that. I mean, well, how 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 long do you go in a player's career before you say the upside is done? He was he was good with the Magic the whole time he was there. Well, I mean, and then he joins a team where he's not the number one guy, falters a little bit. He's still worth. It's good, good enough to lock him up for a while. I mean, I don't know. I just specifically citing in the playoffs, but I mean, I guess, I don't, I don't know. That's a good point. It's just, I keep forgetting how big contracts are getting nowadays. Solomon Hill once got four years, 72 million. So four years, 94 million. 
is I guess not not nearly as bad. But yeah, I mean the Nuggets they clearly need to keep building and hope that this team takes the next step, which includes a healthy Jamal Murray. But we'll see. I mean the Nuggets have seemed like they've been almost there for the past. They'll five, get there eventually. Five, six, seven Jamal years. Jamal Murray can point. stay healthy, and they can get a good. Uh, I mean, it's a just few more good bench players. They've just been lacking a superstar. It seems like. Oh, they got a superstar. Don't you worry about that. They have MVP. Okay. Are, is Jack not a fan of the Joker? It depends on uh, who's asking. All right. Oh. <laughs> Moving on. Um, we've got the Celtics offering multiple late first round picks for Jeremy Grant. Heck yeah. They didn't get it, obviously, but Jeremy Grant's a great player. Where's Jeremy Grant right now again? He's, He's on the Pistons. Yeah. I think that's a that'd be a good trade for the Celtics, but I don't I think the Pistons are gonna wait for a first round pick. Well, I guess a lottery pick more likely. Yeah, sorry, lot yeah, definitely higher because I think Grant They missed I mean, their chance to dump him at the deadline. They could have gotten more for him, but how, they wanted to hold however, on. However, I would say does Grant really fit with the Celtics already? I mean, Grant is... He fits with anybody. He's a good defensive player, can that. rebound, and can also shoot. Put him on any team, and he'll fit. That's true, but then it just it just puts um, Tatum and Brown further up the, you know, playing out of position already because, like, I think it's just a lot of big bodies at a certain point. Not really. Jeremy Grant, power forward. Jalen Brown can play shooting guard. Jason Tatum, small forward. I like that. Or either switch... You can also switch Jason Tatum with Jeremy Grant so they're similar heights. I was about to say, what do you think about the trade? Um, I kind of wish yeah. it worked out. Mm-hmm. I like Jeremy Grant. I think he's a good player, and I think he'd be a good fit. But um, I guess uh, that ship has sailed, so we got to look for something else now. But I will say, is there a chance that they could go back and offer again? Like, I mean, I mean they could, that doesn't seem to happen much often. Get it? I doubt Danny Ainge or Danny Ainge stepped down, didn't he? Brad Stevens now. Yeah. Brad's. I doubt Brad Stevens would want to offer any more than that so it's probably not going to go anywhere unless the Pistons get desperate fair point fair point I think they probably want to hold on to Jeremy Grant and see how long they can keep him with Kate Cunningham coming up that's a good point I will th- I do think he'll be on the trade block of the Pistons torpedo again this year because at that point they'll just get another lottery pick anyway all right and your final piece of news for this segment is that John Wall and the Rockets have mutually agreed to part ways. And follow-up to that being that the Clippers, Heat, and the Pistons have all expressed some interest in acquiring John Wall. Big story of the offseason this week. I think, uh, I mean, the Heat will probably go for him, but they still have Victor Oladipo right now. So I'm not sure if that's the best pickup for them. It's just another mouth to feed on that team. I'm a big fan of John Wall, even though he's been down for a while since he initially ruptured his Achilles like three, four years ago. That was, I think it was three. It, yeah, it was it was a while ago. And then he re-ruptured it at home, walking in his uh, house, and he like slipped or something. He just hasn't been the same since, but I don't think he's really had the chance to prove that he can be the same. Big John Wall fan here, even though he's paid a lot well, too much. Last year, too much. last year he did put up pretty decent numbers on the Rockets. It was it was inefficient, certainly only forty percent from the field and thirty one percent from three, but still twenty and seven. He, I mean, he's certainly not as efficient as he was, and as I mean, he was good for twenty and ten earlier in his career. But I mean, if a team's looking for an additional piece, I think if you could trade for him and then restructure the contract, I think you really could have a decent piece, especially off the bench. I really think he could. Take not necessarily Derrick Rose type of role because he's not nearly as great, I would say, scoring. But I mean, I think he's definitely could be a piece for a restructured contract. But of course, that's the biggest 
issue is he's getting paid $43 million a year and is one of the top 10 highest paid players, despite the fact that he's arguably not in the top 20. Not arguably, probably in, but so I think, I think definitely could, but I, I do wonder who will get him for that and who he'll be willing to restructure with, if at all. So, Davis, can you tell me who John Wall has tattooed on his neck? I would guess that is probably his mom. But I can look into it for you. Yeah, I, I mean, and I'll I wanna... tell you once we come back from commercial. All right. Well, Davis is going to research that. I've had about as much NBA news as I can stomach when a basketball is not being thrown around. And so when we get back, we will move on to something completely different. I think we got Bay Marks knocking on the door. Might want to come in here and talk a little uniform factor coming up in the next segment. But we shall see if that transpires. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back in about two minutes. Good morning, Auburn, and welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, as always, joined alongside Alex Houston and Daniel Locke. Welcome to the show, Daniel, for his first time on. We've also got special guest Bay Mark sitting in the booth with us, getting ready to do some uniform factor, one of our favorite segments here on Compact Discourse. But it is, of course, the bottom of the hour, so we got to get to your 10-day weather report, or maybe just one day, as a, that's probably what's pertinent to you right now. We are looking at some steady light rain this morning here in Auburn, Alabama, maintaining a 75-degree temperature, 95% humidity, as you would expect here in September in Alabama. Uh, a bit windy as well, moving east-southeast, coming at 8 miles per hour. Uh, chance of rain is going to continue to be about 60% throughout the rest of the day, so just keep that raincoat or umbrella handy and uh, bring your galoshes if you haven't left the house yet. All right, we are looking at a little thunderstorm action coming up tonight and continuing thunderstorms throughout the weekend and on to next Wednesday. So we're in for a soggy weekend here on the plains if you're not making that trip up to Penn State this weekend. Also looking at a little bit of rain in State College as well, about a 50% chance of rain in Pennsylvania. So if you are making the trip up to Penn State, like me and Hillman and Daniel are, go ahead and pack that raincoat as well. But be sure to wear orange nonetheless as we try to spice up the whiteout a little bit by adding a little orange. All right, let's jump right into things. Let's see if I have my button for uniform factor. I forgot about it. Ah, oh, here it is. Now, form factor is a term I learned in my occupational safety and ergonomics class. Does powder blue ever look bad? Ever? Absolutely not. I can't name one team. <laughs> That's the worst helmet I've ever seen. I mean, part of the fun of throwbacks is that we're all in on the joke that they look terrible. Bird is awful, but the jerseys themselves are sick. Dude, this is clean, man. Hey, when they rock and eat. Any thoughts on this Browns-Broncos matchup, Carter? The game itself? The uniforms. All right, and we love Uniform Factor here on uh, Compact Discourse. Bay Marks, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I was sorry I was wiping off my headset just now. It seemed like it was wet for some reason. like Davis got <laughs> fluids on it. Davis was a little nervous sitting in the seat. Uh, but I'm good. I'm glad to be back on Uniform Factor after a, a short absence. Um, I did call into the show, though, last week. I had to make sure my weekly appearance, my once-a-week appearance was made. That's right. You provided some vital information that the show so <laughs> desperately needed at the time. Well, I told Davis, he started singing the uh, We Just Got a Letter song, and I just was driving at instant PTSD, so I had to... 
Go ahead and check out the podcast if you don't know we're talk- what we're talking about, or if you're a big Blues Clues fan, and that's uh, the only teaser I'll give to that one. All right, we are jumping right into Uniform Factor. First up, oh yeah, we got the Air Force Academy out of Colorado. They were rocking some uniforms based off a B-52 bomber this past weekend, and they look pretty awesome. They were uh, black pants with uh, kind of the, the confirmed kills. You'd, you'd get on your on your plane every time you shoot something down you get a plane painted on your plane well they had that on their pants going down as the leg stripe and that was an excellent detail i might add they had camo helmets with the united states air force roundel uh painted on to the helmets and then they also had um camo shoulders and some block lettering on those white jerseys so wearing white at home traditional for an for an early season game and they uh had a kind of paint on the helmet as if it were a plane you know the name of the plane gets kind of scribbled on in cursive on the nose they had that on the back of the helmet uh one one fun fact i'll add is that the united states air force roundel was originally just a white star on a blue field but it was so similar to every other air force's roundel in world war ii that they added the uh, red and white stripes on the side to differentiate it from every other country because uh, when you're shooting at a plane, you want to be sure you're hitting the right guy. Was, this, right. was this the same game where they all carried out the American flags? Well, yes. I, yeah. Yes, it was yeah. It was last weekend. So yeah. yeah, that was a great uh, touch. But uh, no, these uniforms, I mean, in my opinion, they look great. I love the contrasting colors for the Air Force. Um, and like you said, I also, let me make sure I'm looking at the same uni as you. Yes, I am. Uh, sorry, we didn't prep for today's show by any means, but um, as is tradition. Yes, but I do love the helmets, especially. I do think that those colors mix well, and I think the design overall m- matching those shoulder uh, caps. Um, overall, a very clean look from the Air Force, which you typically get with whatever alternate uniforms they do come out with. Um, but nonetheless, I really think they hit these on the mark. Uh, my only complaint would be some outlining with the numbers. Um, I don't know how to feel about the numbers right now, but overall, I mean, these are probably 9 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I would say Nike really puts in the work with the service academies. They really put on a good show when it comes to the special uniforms, whether that be the Army-Navy game or just the, the, the Rangers uniforms they recently put out for the Army or the Marine Corps uniforms they put out for the most recent Navy game. I think we'll probably get to those at some point, but, I mean, I'd like to see even more, so we have even more to talk about. But Nike who uh, has had, had made some suspect decisions in the, in the college football world in the past few years, is really doing a great job with the service academies. I really quite like um, how it, it pulls so many elements off of the B-52. And then if you're watching our live stream, you can see the picture on the far left of the player lining up right in front of the B-52 on the campus of the Air Force Academy and seeing how similar they appear, whether that be the, the black and brown color scheme, the numbering, matching the numbering on the plane, or just the the roundel matching up perfectly, so uh, and it, and it fits, you know, with the air raid offense. Yeah, it does. And I mean, Air Force. I mean, again, that collaboration with Nike, as Jack mentioned, Nike always does do a good job with the with the several military schools that do participate in the college football world. And um, also, you can't really tell at first, but underneath the uh, the throat on the collar, where uh, normally a team puts a logo, they have a little hidden AF logo. Um, at first glance, you might not see it, but I think that's a nice subtle touch right there on the collar, too. But that's just my opinion. I mean, how do you guys feel about these? When in doubt, the Service Academy jerseys are always knocking out of the park. These are not my favorite ever because there are particular ones that Navy did where they had different ships on each helmet, which was really cool. That was a few years ago, but these are certainly up there. I really like the detail of the 
planes going along the legs. And I mean, I think, you know, that's one of the things I would say and I would commend Nike for is they do a great job of balancing simplicity with making it very unique. They're not so simple like a Penn State or Alabama jersey where, you know, it's this, it's been the same thing for ever. They can do simplicity like this, but they can also make a very complex designs. And the Service Academy jerseys are always, I mean, you're always going to get three or four posts about them on ESPN and it's always going to be worth it because they're always good. And this year was no exception again. So. I really, I really like the gloves. Those are really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if you can't see, the gloves are camo, and they're designed to kind of be held up in the triangle formation to catch the pass, and they sync up into a pretty cool camo pattern. So that is the Air Force Academy, what they wore last weekend again, um, for to honor 9-11. They put on some B-52 uniforms. So heading on to our next kit, we have got the Seattle Kraken. Now, the Seattle Kraken's jerseys were announced some time ago, but the reason I'm bringing this to your attention is that we are just a month away from the puck being dropped in Seattle for, in the, for the first time in an NHL game, and for the first time, the Seattle Kraken jerseys are now available for sale. And uh, I know this might have flown under your radar after the team was announced two years ago, but how do, exactly do we feel about this color scheme this lettering, the name Kraken. I just kind of want to get your guys' opinions because we haven't talked about this on an episode yet. Well, I want to hit all of those areas real quick because it is a new team. And when you're building a new team and their franchise and that brand, it's it's very um, – you have to do a very diligent job of making sure what you're doing fits. Seattle Kraken, first of all. The name, 10 out of 10. Love the name. That's, that's kind of a, a mascot name or a brand name for a team that we haven't ever really seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, it fits the city. Yeah. It's scary. It's cool looking. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, nobody's ever heard anything like that. The color scheme, I will say this. No matter what sport it is, when a team uses that navy blue with like a lighter blue mm-hmm. or even that tealish color they have, they have yeah. all three of those that's, with a trend of red. double blue, as I like to call it. Yes, double blues are very hard to pull off. They can either look really bad or you can make them look very nice like the charlotte hornets they have a very similar the uh, hornets or the grizzlies i mean um and that's not just for basketball there's several teams that do it if you're from birmingham i always think about the clear eagles high school um that's a team that i always reference to but i think they did a good job with this and i think the reason it looks better than it would have been is with the red i think that red is a nice subtle touch that kind of brings in those three different blues and that kind of a tealish color Mm -hmm. the red to offset the blue exactly then it's also the the evil eye of the kraken on the on the s logo and like that s logo is awesome oh no for sure with and i think are those like not like tentacles maybe throughout the s they're evocative of tentacles Uh, yeah definitely yeah i don't don't think you should try to anatomically chart (laughs) the kraken onto the s but i think it is a good logo nonetheless yeah i mean the logo itself is great the jerseys i mean they're awesome in itself too. Maybe I would have liked to see maybe something on the shoulders, but I don't. I don't know how traditional it is to see something on the shoulders of a hockey jersey. Y'all might know more well, than I do. On these shoulders, you do have the alternate logo. Okay. Uh, which is the the anchor and the space needle kind of combined. Into oh, a, I see it now. Okay. Single. So that's yeah. that's on each shoulder. Uh, hockey jerseys will sometimes have a shoulder. Sometimes they'll have numbers on the shoulder. Sometimes they'll have asymmetric shoulders. So I think for a team you know you, you gotta you can't crash the party immediately when you come in as an yeah. expansion franchise you have to you have to play by the rules for a little while before you get crazy yeah um which we saw vegas kind of toe the line of that one I was about but, to say. but uh i think they're, they're, it's a safe choice and i i included this uh this promotional picture of eberly wearing the jersey just because i really love how the the road jersey 
looks under that natural lighting. I have the pictures from Fanatics where you can buy the jerseys now for the first time where it looks okay, but under that, that natural lighting, the way the white blends right into the teal and then it's offset by the navy it's beautiful I mean, it looks fabulous yeah i was just about to say they're gonna look really good under the under the lights in a, in a hockey rink yeah floating on that white ice it's gonna look awesome yeah i i would just say um for me like i think the logo in terms of you certainly could have gone so much more complex with it and i i for one like complex logos but i understand it's not as much practical and for the majority i would say this their, their initial logo is perfect, and I really like their alternate incorporating the Space Noodle. As for the color scheme, I personally don't like that color scheme in general, like the Grizzlies and Hornets. I never really liked how they did that. I always like when the Hornets wear their retro ones to completely avoid that color scheme entirely. But of teams with that, this is certainly the best rendition of it so far. Yeah. I mean, by far for me. And it's not a super appealing color scheme exactly. by any means. Like, I think, I, yeah. yeah, I just think compared to the others, it, this one is, again, I think the red really brings it all together, and... Again, I just always loved the name. Once they announced the name, I was like, this is, I mean, it's just, it's unique. It, well, they, I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to say with the colors, the point you're mentioning was we talk about it's hard to pull off the several different color blues, but you also rarely see any sporting teams having four different colors. Yeah. And that's really hard to pull off yeah. in a jersey without overkilling at least one of those colors. Yeah. And I'd say they've done a pretty decent job so far with it. I mean, yeah. and I, I would say among all the teams with similar schemes, they're easily the best it's not even really close to that so i like them and i really like the name i think it's unique and it definitely stands out in comparison to the name mascot after animal i mean yeah. this is this is very unique a mythical it. creature a exactly. scary one a seafaring town exactly it, it's a perfect fit what's the alcohol brand that's like the slogans release the kraken they should they need some sort of sponsorship with i'm them. sure they have one i wouldn't doubt it i, I swear i've heard that before we Point. can look into that over the break yeah we're gonna daniel you have any thoughts on these i do i love these a lot um one of my favorite bruins players um jeremy Lauzon, a defenseman got signed by the kraken or drafted in the expansion draft so um when his goes live later this week i'm gonna pick it up because i'm going to see the kraken play in nashville in november so i'd like to rock that during that game sounds like y'all need to make a road trip awesome together. you need to wear that on the show all right, we are going to head to a quick PSA break. Ooh, We're going to head to a quick PSA break, and when we come back, Uniform Factor does continue. Bay Marks is going to hang out with us for one more segment. We're going to get his takes on college football as well as we get ready to turn on the scoreboard later on this afternoon on WEGL. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after these messages. <laughs> And welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, as always, Jack Carr, joining alongside Alex Houston and Daniel Logg with special guest Bay Marks joining us for our favorite segment here on Compact Discourse, and that is, of course, Uniform Factor. Let's not waste any more time because we've got a lot to get to and jump right back into things. I can pan over to the next one. Let's see what it is. Oh, there it is. <laughs> we are talking the Winter Classic uniforms. Winter Classic, of course, a wonderful tradition going on in the NHL where every New Year's uh, some teams will play outside, and that's pretty exciting in the NHL. I went to the uh, the 2020 Winter Classic in Dallas, Texas, where the Nashville Predators played the Dallas Stars. We talked about those jerseys back on the extra point, but let's talk about these jerseys right now. I like them. 
I will say, at least, okay, I like, I like the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, we'll start with the Minnesota Wild. If you're not watching the live stream, we will just say that the Minnesota Wild, the Winter Classic is supposed to evoke the classicness of hockey, yeah. pond hockey, if you will. So these are very, they look like they're made out of uh, flannel. They're very old-fashioned. This is what hockey sweaters used to look like, and they're intentionally kind of old-fashioned in their design. So Minneapolis, uh, the Wild going with their old red green and cream color scheme which is extremely unique to the wild and then this jersey features the outline of minnesota with the mn abbreviation as well as the abbreviations for minneapolis and st paul as well as a logo that says state of hockey which is kind of minnesota's thing is being the state of hockey and i'll throw it back to alex i i just i I really like them i really uh one thing i enjoy is when you know you have these winter classic type games these significant moments and the teams go out of their way to make the jerseys unique i really don't like teams falling back on oh it's just our design but mildly different this is very different than any wilds jersey you will find anywhere Mm -hmm. and i really like that and i again as you mentioned all the very classic you know touches to it the state of hockey or i think is what you said that patch was on there yeah on Um, on the right side of the shorts ah yeah okay i think i think that's a really cool idea and certainly why not you know why not celebrate that i really just i really like them they're you know they're simple but they're very unique and again they're not like any other wild jerseys you'll find and i just really think it fits the theme and very much is what what a team in this type of situation should do with their jersey. It's very evocative of old school hockey. Exactly. Which exactly. is the point. So it, great job. A plus. Yeah. Looks like Christmas threw up all over it. Fair enough. That's their <laughs> colors, though. The, the, in, in, in their defense, that's already yeah. the Wilds' colors. I mean, colors. It, it could be red with green shoulders, and then yeah. it would really, really yeah. look like a Christmas that's bomb. That's true. Yeah. They, I think they definitely, going with the more green than red approach, was the best option. Not to knock on They look great overall. I mean, I don't have much to say. I mean, Alex kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean... I like him, too. All right, so we're going to head over to Uh-oh. the opponent of the Minnesota Wild. The Minnesota Wild will be playing in Target Field, which is the Twins Baseball Stadium, uh, the outdoor venue. That's on New Year's Day 2022. And, yeah, here we got the St. Louis Blues are going to be squaring off against the Mini- Minnesota Wild, not Minneapolis Wild. Um and they're going to be wearing these, which are very evocative of other Blues jerseys, which yep. I think Alex wants to get to. I, I just I don't like them at all. And I, I really don't like how it doesn't change much. It's I mean, even even the wild jerseys, the wild logo is no. I mean, you can't find it on that jersey. And as compared to this, the Blues logo, which is the one they have now, not their old logo or whatever. It's the one they still have is on there. And I also am starting to get a really big problem with. People like teams being obsessed with the ah yes not white but cream or bone the St. Louis Rams I'm or not the Los Angeles Rams I'm still mad about that one but like I I mean it's it, okay it's not as blue as most of the Blues jerseys are because their jerseys are traditionally a lot more colored than cream but I it's just boring all right I will counterpoint you Alex and say that. This is the old Blues logo. Oh. They've only ever had one logo. Okay, that that, that I, I was wondering if they had. I wasn't certain of that. But. Um, and then I think it, it is. It's in. It's invited to evoke the 1960s era of the Blues. They looked a lot like this in the 60s, and the cream. And then you can't really see it in our pictures here, but if you were to hold one of these jerseys in your hand, you'd be able to see how detail, how flannel they appear to look. And I think that without exactly pulling. Minneapolis made the decision as not a historic hockey NHL town rather to not go with the North Stars look to kind of pull from 
uh, the old day, the old days of pre-NHL hockey, you had the St. Louis decision to just pull from the history of their franchise. And I think the cream does make it look old. I mean, off-white was... You had to be off-white back in the day because of the, the technology wasn't there. That's what sweaters looked like. And Fair. so I will. I, I think you do raise valid concerns, but I think at the same time, this is kind of a love letter to the St. Louis franchise as a whole. That's okay. That that's fair. I, I'll admit I did not know all the history on that. I'm not a very uh, big hockey guy and did not know that. So that that's certainly with that with all that in mind, I'll give them a lot more credit for it. I I just think it is interesting because the Minnesota Wild, you know kind of compensated for the fact that they're not an old franchise found in the year 2000 while the blues 1967 team you know mm-hmm. and minnesota if you would look those years you would assume minnesota is the older team you would assume they're like wearing the powder blue minneapolis laker jerseys that the lakers still pull out from the 1940s right and meanwhile the blues don't which i guess that that's that is of me not not knowing uh as much information as i could have but i still even though the cream is an homage i don't know i just i feel like there could have been more done and i think this is also an opportunity to, again, go with the service academy approach of making really unique approaches rather than just saying, hey, this is the retro jersey we already have. You know yeah, what I mean? I think That's just my big thing. You saw it. that in the in the last Winter Classic that occurred uh, again with the Predators in Dallas, two not historically hockey towns being in the South and two very young franchises had to really reach and pull to find the inspiration for their uh, – for their for their uniforms, and they obviously did find some inspiration. I think the Nashville team, uh, Nashville Predators, based theirs off the old Dixie Flyers, which is a minor league hockey team out of Nashville. So I, I do like how the Winter Classic is a deep dive into the history, and it really shows the the care of it Adidas is is putting into these. I I will say I do appreciate the off white. I think that kind of gives it the more throwback kind of look that they're looking for. So I'm fine with that. The most off putting thing about these for me. Um, is the striping uh i don't mind the striping i love how the legs match the arms and the waist um but my problem is the striping across the collarbone and the back of the shoulders how it does not match those stripings and then on the pant leg the striping going straight down it's vertical making it perpendicular to the uh striping going across the legs and across the waist and the arms i think if you're going to go with the striping across the collarbone and the back of the shoulders a, you got to make it the same striping. Um, and then B, if you're going to do striping across the legs, it's got to match the striping on the top. I mean, making it perpendicular like that, in my opinion, um, from a design standpoint, does not flow well, and it kind of causes some obstruction there in the flow of the jersey. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of them, but I can settle with them for the Winter Classic. Fair enough. That's the expertise take. Okay. I'm about to say, Bay, you're clearly the expert in this matter. I right? that 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 was good. Close behind Jack. All right, and we are going to move on to our last uniform of the day. These may be a bit divisive, but this is what Kansas is going to be wearing Ooh. on homecoming against Texas Tech on October second, I believe. So this is what Kansas is going to be wearing. These are throwbacks as well. But faux in the sense that Kansas never technically wore these, but it is inspired by the history of the Kansas football program. Mm-hmm. I will bury the lead and say that I like these a lot just because I enjoy the double blue with the red offset, as we mentioned uh, in the Kraken segment. And I also have never seen this, this they call it the bow tie logo 
um, of, of Kansas. And I think it's very, very cute to use the K and the U in that way. And uh, for, for one game, I love these. I've and never seen that logo either. I really like that is logo. Is that an actual, like... I, I think so. I'm sure if you go through the history of university, that's actual years old. Logo. I'm yeah. sure that was used at some point. Back, back before branding became such the lucrative business that it is now, I think universities made logos left and right. Is I that would, a profile shot of a Jayhawk on the shoulder cap? It is. Yes. Okay. They've worn that on their helmet before as well. So. I like that, honestly. I've liked the use of the... Because one thing I really have liked about... Um, like this was kind of started with Boise back in like 2008 is, you know, it was not just a small little, you know, logo about the size of my fist stuck on the side of the helmet. It was like, you know, having the mascot or the logo sort of overtake the helmet and be a bigger part of it. And Kansas followed suit with that with the Jayhawk. It is kind of an it is a somewhat off putting color in the bright red and gold of the beak. But I've always liked when they've done it like that. And I like it here on the shoulder just because, you know, why not make it a bit more than just the basic, you know, again, like, you know, very small sticker on the side of the helmet, which what it used to be. It used to be the very small KU. They just smack on the side of it, and that'd be the end of it. So I, I like it. The helmet the, logo really reminds me of Kyrie Irving's branding. It does. It sure, it really does. I don't remember Kyrie Irving's logo, so I'm not going to Google that again. Here's my deal with these. We talked about earlier with the double blues, and for this game, I think they provided a good, a good showing of that. And we talked about earlier the red with the Kraken logo. I think Kansas did the, something similar here, just a little touch of red. And I think if they would have done a little more red on the helmet yeah. or even on the pants or stuff, I think that might have overkilled all of it. Um, I really like just the two or three basic colors of just the two blues and a white. Um, overall, I really, really like these. I'm just I'm very stunned about that logo. I need to dig into the history books and see if I can find that anywhere else. Yeah, I, I really like that logo too. The one thing, and I'm going to be honest, I, I, it's grown on me quickly. I like these jerseys. I just am a bit... I, I wish there could be something better done about the numbers because, like, the dark navy blue on the, like, basically what is powder blue, I would say, or close to powder blue, I feel like it could have been done better. I don't know how necessarily. I think the double outline was as probably good of an effort as they could have made. That's Yeah, I, I will say, considering the colors they have to work with, I don't know how, but I just I just think that's naturally going to be the one thing that kind of clashes. But the rest of it, I really like. I like the Kansas in big, bold white letters across mm -hmm. the top. You have um, the, the double outlined numbers contrasted with just the single block letters yeah right? that, that that's true that's true and, and again I, I, I really I, like the helmets most of all i really like that logo i just enjoy how these manage to be very simple yet at the same time very complicated yeah. and detail oriented yeah, yeah. i think definitely adidas has done a great job um this is this got booted from from last week or two weeks ago when we didn't get to this one but uh if combine that with what arizona state with washington all the adidas jerseys we talked about uh, at that segment, I think they've they've gone five for five so far this season. I think what you just said about it's it's simple yet complex. I think the point to be made is when you first look at those, you think they're very simple, and it takes a a longer glance to to really know how detailed they are. I love them too. I'm on the same page. Yeah, and I I will say I really like a lot. Teams continue to innovate with their uniforms despite this is going to sound odd. The state of their program because there's a lot of teams that will still continue to find ways to be unique and be different. And Kansas being no exception to that fact. And I mean, I just I give teams props for that because most universities will not put in money to a program that's already failing or going belly up like Kansas or like Akron. But those teams continue to just find ways to make themselves stand out. And I just give props to that because. You certainly could be easier and just not do anything about it. And they still clearly are going at it, trying to make it, or at least improve and find new designs and just make themselves unique in their own way. So I like it. But, yeah. All right. Think, go ahead, Daniel. Do you all think uniforms affect recruiting at all? 
I think I think in the sense like a lot of people when asked that question will probably talk about Oregon. Like a lot of recruits are going to see that Oregon gets literally a New Jersey every game, so they're like, yeah, I want that. Yeah. I don't think it, it's as huge an effect as people may think, but I definitely think it's a factor when people go to schools and see like the tough colors of like a Mississippi State and they see their jerseys or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, I think so a little bit, but I don't think it's – a huge huge factor i think it does it doesn't make an uh, impact on the recruit directly but it does get your program exposure right we're talking about kansas a a team that stormed the field after beating south dakota yeah (laughs) and again i I would say i think for uh for programs that are falling behind if their jerseys are falling behind too that just hurts their credibility further if they don't look unique and look like like even akron like their old uniforms used to be terrible and we saw them play auburn this year and they had the you know the cursive name on the brighter gold helmet just changing up a bit to where they're not so falling behind because that's what happens with those teams you're already like all right they're behind these teams in terms of performance and also in terms of just simply the money that they've put in and the facilities they have and I think it just helps their reputation be better than what they put out on the field specifically all right we're gonna head to a quick break when we come back we're gonna get talking about college football because it is Thursday and college football is just a few short hours away don't go anywhere we'll be right back with some more compact discourse after these messages Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WEGLFM.com. You might be watching our YouTube live stream on the WEGL YouTube page. If you haven't checked that one out, go ahead and do that. You can watch our video on demand as soon as the show wraps up today. And you want to go back and watch Uniform Factor if you missed it. we got some great visuals to provide some accoutrements to our commentary, if you will. Uh, you can also follow the station at WEGL underscore AU on Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok, if you can believe that. Um, and then you can uh, follow us, uh, Compact Discourse, right here at CDiscAU. If you want to tweet at us, if you got a hot take about those Kansas uniforms, we want to hear it or anything else we've talked about on the show, shoot me a tweet at CDISCAU, and we'll be sure to get back to you. You can also call into the show at 334-844-9345. That's 334-844-WEGL on your touchtone keypad. And with that, we will jump right back into the show. we still got Alex. we still got Daniel. we still got Bay Marks hanging out in the Bradley Basin studios this morning. I know we're all excited for this weekend of college football. I'll go ahead and start with Bay, and I'll ask him to also preview what you guys are going to talk about on the scoreboard, Auburn's longest tenured sports show, WEGL's rather. But National award winning. Yes, I mean, right right up there with, with the best of them. So uh, I'll, I'll hand it over to you, Bay. Well, on the scoreboard today, we will be previewing, obviously, uh, Auburn's game at Penn State. Uh, going to review a little bit of Auburn and Alabama State. Not much to really look into, but uh, really going to look forward to the college football slate this weekend. Going to catch up on week one in the NFL and Daniel's Saints pummeling my Packers and, you know, several other NFL games to look forward to this weekend, Thursday night football, all that good stuff. So like Jack said, that's from 2 to 3 today on WGL right here where you're listening to Compact Discourse. But uh, in terms of Auburn-Penn State, obviously – this is going to be huge for Auburn football. Um, this game obviously being scheduled when Gus Malzahn was the head coach at Auburn. Um, and as we all know, Brian Harson is now in the driver's seat as of uh, Christmas Eve of last year. So Brian Harson with the fast start going 2-0 against two uh, very bad opponents, to say the least. Um, I think this could be a huge statement win for Auburn to come out and say, 
one of two things. A, even though we played teams that were that bad, we are this good. And B, Brian Harson is a legit good coach who has legit athletes around him and great coaches around him. So um, it, it's hard to really start where you need to look for in this game. I mean, Penn State's got a great front seven. Um, they're also going to run the ball a lot, do some stuff out in the flats. Um, Auburn's defense is going to have their, their front seven's work cut out for them. Um, but then again, you got Tank Bigsby and you have new freshman Jarquez Hunter. And if Sean Shivers can play, those three guys are really going to have a day trying to run the football. And Bo Nix, I mean, we saw freshman year, uh, his freshman year, he played at Texas A&M, his first true road game, played in the swamp. And Jacob, Sta- Jacob Hillman said that is the loudest stadium he's ever been in in his life. And then he also played in Death Valley. And not to mention he played in Sanford Stadium and Bryant Denny last year. So I think having Bo Nix, when Penn State has a fifth-year quarterback in Sean Clifford, I think that's a huge advantage for Auburn. And I think Auburn will be able to handle some of that noise in Happy Valley. It's going to be an interesting game. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I think, you know, for this game, I'm going to take a bit of a different approach, perhaps. Um, I think, you know, these next two games, and it's not, you know, to say whatever happens afterwards means to sound the alarm bells, but this game and then the game against LSU are very pivotal games for Brian Harson to sort of establish what his tenure at Auburn will be like because to face the reality of it, excluding College Station, from 2013 to 2020, or 2020, the, the defining character, one of the defining characteristics of Auburn football was laying an egg on the road. Absolutely. They've done it in every, I mean, you can you can pick, I mean, even well, in 20, even Georgia, in tw- didn't win LSU, Bama. Even, even in 2013, even in 2013, that amazing season, they looked awful against LSU because that was even on my birthday. I remember watching it and I was like, they, they didn't, that was the worst game. That was the worst they looked all season by far. And excluding College Station because we Auburn still hasn't lost to College Station yet, which is still bizarre to me. But the fact is that the offense has looked bad on the road consistently in pretty much every road environment they've been in since 2013. That's just the reality of it. And I think, you know, even a, even a loss in the whiteout at Penn State, if it looks just, I mean, if the team just looks better, it legitimately will set the tone for that, okay, you know, we're going to go on the road in one of the most hostile environments in college football, and we're not going to, you know, get Derek Brown carrying a fumble to the 30 and end up having to punt the football, which is which is stuff that happens consistently throughout. Yeah. You can pick any, I mean, the 2016 game with Sean White against Georgia is the game that most people will cite above all else because that Georgia team was probably the worst road team they've lost to yeah, of absolutely. the teams they played in those past. And I think these are just very important to sort of establish, hey, this is not an Auburn thing. This was the previous tenures thing, and I'm a new coach with a new program yeah. basically doing something different. And I think that's very important. Now, certainly a win above all else is bigger than anything, but I really think this is just a big opportunity for him because you are you do have, you know, Georgia and Alabama at home, big games, of course, and you've got AM on the road, but again, with that whole college station thing, I don't even know how to judge those games. But these two games are really, you know, this has been the defining characteristic, and or one of them. And I think it really, this is an opportunity to sort of set the tone and say, this tenure, however long he's going to be here, will be different. Well, and and that's where I'll pick up is, I mean, I was talking to my girlfriend Jordan, I was talking to her dad after the Akron game. And again, it was Akron, probably the worst FBS team in football right now. Yeah. And he asked me, because he wasn't able to watch the game, he said, how did how do we look? And I said, I'm going to be honest, Mr. Allen. I was like, we looked a lot cleaner. Yeah. Now against Alabama State, Auburn did have a lot more penalties, didn't look as clean, especially in the first half. Third quarter, though, my God. Yeah. Um, but I think that also comes with Brian Harson and that new coaching staff. And I do, I truly believe, and I'm going to stick by this until after Penn State and even probably after LSU, that 
Auburn has a new juice in the athletic department right now with with Brian Harson, and I think that was a Gus Malzahn thing. I truly think it was because even under uh, Tommy Tuberville and sometimes under Gene Chizik, Auburn would not play that bad on the road. I mean, especially after 2013 and 2014, if Auburn had a big game on the road in a hostile environment, I mean, you could just kiss that one goodbye. Again, unless it was College Station. I mean, there was. I mean, it was just every every single year. Yeah. yeah so ahead. I mean. I, I truly think that was something with the old staff. I think that was kind of a trend of a lot of nerves on the road and not knowing what to call, not knowing what scheme to provide, and kind of going off that Jordan Hare juice. I think that was a big thing with Gus. I think Brian Harson understands that and understands that it's it's new with him. Completely exactly. New staff. And I completely agree. I think that was uniquely to Gus, but I still think this is a very important game for Harson to be like, hey guys, I'm different because Harson has not had a great, you know. You know, first year of hire in terms of PR, he just hasn't. He's had well, a lot of negative flack from people, and regardless of whether or not that's justified, I'm not going to go on a 20 minute rant about that. But this is a chance to really, you know, get a big PR boost. Essentially, well, and I was going to say, and that that was what I was going to point out was a lot of people are doubting. Like he came from Boise, like, yeah. but if he wins against Penn State and goes and cracks a streak against LSU and Tigers or uh, Death Valley and Tiger Stadium, I mean. What else are people going to say about him? Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. he has been recruiting well, more well lately compared to what he was doing over the summer. That was a big concern was he wasn't recruiting towards the end of the dead period. Um, and then a lot of people are saying he's been at Boise. He hasn't played any big teams or yeah. won in big situations. If Brian Harson beats Penn State and wins in Death Valley within, within two of the next three weeks, there's not going to be much else people are going to say about him until Iron Bowl weekend and or even Georgia weekend. And additionally, I would say if it doesn't happen, now is not the time to sound the alarm bells, especially in a coach's first year. No, no, People no, love no, no, to no. do that, but like you know, Tommy Tuberville, for example, who was the coach for ten seasons, was five and six in his first season. Yeah, that was not indicative of how he would be as a coach. He, the only time he had the same amount of wins was his last season, and that was yeah. nine years after the fact. So well, now the, it could be huge for his first year, though. Exactly. I no, mean, what a hot, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But if it doesn't, now's not the time exactly. to start sounding the alarms and going on the coach and search again, because I know people are dramatic about it. But like, I just think you know this is a very pivotal moment to set the tone for his tenure. You know, will will Auburn under Harson be different than the Auburn of the past eight years yeah. on the road? Is so there I any, think is there any pressure to do well in Harson's first year based on how well Malzahn did in his first year? I don't think so. Um, I think just because people knew Malzahn had been in the D1 level, Malzahn had been at Auburn, he'd been around Arkansas, and yeah, Brian Harson's been at the D1 level for a long time, but I think a lot of people knew what you were getting out of Gus Malzahn, especially with his offense in 2010, so I think a lot of people had a little bit of higher expectations for him, so I think the pressure isn't as as hard right now on Brian. And Gus's first year is an anomaly. No coach has ever, that was the biggest turnaround in the history of college football, and it will probably stand for as long as Unless the team goes 0-12 and then it turns around and goes Unless Akron wins a national championship next year, that'll be, that'll be the, I mean, seriously. And so, I, I mean, if anybody makes those comparisons, that is just unjustified in my opinion, because what Gus Malzahn did was historic by, by any means. And I think, you know, I, I do, I do think Harson should get a ball game. I think, Auburn should get at least six wins because I think they have the talent to do so. But I mean, I think anything, the, the it, schedule already spotted them too. So exactly. So anything below that, I think, is maybe a bit more cause for concern. But even then, it is the first year, and you, I mean, Alabama was not a national powerhouse in Nick Saban's first year. They lost to Louisiana Monroe and Auburn. Exactly. And now, again, that was not the time to sound the alarm bells. Then either they were still better than previous years, but still they didn't. They had some bad moments. I like how you mentioned Nick Saban because a lot of people do do refer to Brian Harson as having. A younger Nick Saban uh, 
vibe about him and the way he runs his program. I think Bay's been reading too much AL. I've been reading. I, <laughs> hey, yeah, come on now. Uh, I but I can kind of see it though. They do have similar similar program uh, yeah. strategies and how they run things. And I mean, they you just pull that quote. Harson said, "If people don't like the environment they're going to, then don't get on the plane." Is something Gus yeah. would never have said in eight years. Gus said. Like, <laughs> Gus would have said something about having a good practice. Like, legitimately, <laughs> and that, that's, that's, not, that's not a major criticism on Gus. I don't really care, but that just shows that this is a very different it's This called, is a very different culture coach. change. Exactly, exactly. Really, it's just different. Really good practice today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and with that, we are going to have to say goodbye to Bay Marks, but thank you so much for coming on Thanks, the show, Jack. Bay. Very excited to listen to the scoreboard this afternoon, as I always enjoy doing. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91. FM. We got Jacob Hillman coming up later on this hour. We might have Davis joining us back in the studio for the next segment. You never know what's going to happen on Compact Discourse, so you got to stay tuned. Keep that dial right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. We'll be back in about two minutes after this quick PSA break. Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, as always, Jack Hart, joined alongside Alex Houston, who's been hanging out with me since 8 a.m. this morning, if you can believe that. We also got Daniel, who's been put through the same treatment. So prayers up for those guys having to deal with me for over an hour and a half at this point now. All right, we're going to jump right back into the show. Bay Marks had to hit the road, but we are joined by the other half of the scoreboard, Jacob Hillman. Jacob, how are you doing this fine Hello Thursday there. morning? Hello Good to there. see you. I'm doing well. Hello uh, A little tired, but Hello. ready. General Kenobi. It was looping. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. General Kenobi. It's out of my hands. It played four times, one for each hand. Ready to get on the plane tomorrow morning and head to Happy Valley in Pennsylvania, but it's going to be interesting, I think, with the... Just based off the Twitter beef that's been occurring. Percolating. Yeah, just everyone's been stirring the pot. Big, big spoons on Twitter this weekend. It'll be be interesting. I think that the in-person interactions will be much better, but we will find out whenever we arrive as, I believe, wait, Alex, are you going? Uh, No, I'm not. Daniel's going. Daniel's going. So three out of four of us are going. This is Auburn's first Big Ten road game in 90 years, as I believe I've been... Was it, was it a Wisconsin? I've been I marketed. Think, I think it was 1931. I have no follow-up facts. I don't read the articles. <laughs> it's, you're correct, though. Okay, so uh, yeah, we're going to jump right into our college football segment of the week before we get on to Thursday Night Football later on in the show. And with that, we're just going to jump right in. I'm going to give you who's playing in the top 25 and what we can expect this weekend. Let's jump right into it. All right, at 11 a.m., because Fox would rather show regular season baseball than one of the biggest rivalries in college sports, it's Nebraska at Oklahoma in Memorial Stadium in Norman, Oklahoma. Let's see if Scott Frost can get his 13th win. All right, it is New Mexico, the Lobos, treading to College Station to take on number 7, A&M. Let's see if they can score some points this week against a middling opponent. Cincinnati's hitting the road and heading to Bloomington, Indiana to take on the Hoosiers. That is at 11 a.m. Central. You can also catch Virginia Tech hitting the road as well. Two country roads in West Virginia. That one's at 11 as well. So a tough road game for the Hokies. Coastal is hitting the road to take on Buffalo as well. So a lot of road games in the top 25 this weekend. Coastal taking on Buffalo at 11 a.m. Michigan State 
is going to travel to South Beach to take on number 24, Miami. Miami's favored in that one by a touchdown. Northern Illinois will be playing Michigan as Michigan is favored by four touchdowns in that one. That one is also at 11. Moving on to your 130 games, Purdue is heading to Notre Dame Stadium where the Irish barely hung on against the Rockets of Toledo last week. Notre Dame favored by a touchdown in that one. The big game in the swamp, SEC on CBS. Alabama heads down to the swamp to play Florida. Ben Hill Griffith Stadium will be 85 degrees and partly cloudy in the swamp for that one. So expect a steamy one there as Alabama's favored by two touchdowns in that one. Kent State will head to Kinnick to get waved goodbye by Iowa, who is favored by three touchdowns in that one. Georgia Tech will head to Memorial Stadium to play against Clemson, number six in the land. Tulsa will be traveling to Ohio State. Ohio State looking to bounce back after that loss to Oregon last weekend. Arkansas will host Georgia Southern. Arkansas coming off a big win against Texas. They are now ranked number 20. Georgia opening up their conference schedule by hosting South Carolina. They're still number two in the land. They are favored by 31 and a half in that one. Oregon, once again, looking to keep that running streak going. They're hosting Stony Brook. Auburn, of course, having treading, heading up to Happy Valley to play Penn State. Virginia at North Carolina. Ole Miss will host Tulane, only favored by 14 in that one. Ranked matchup, Pac-12 after dark. Arizona State versus BYU at 915 Central. Iowa State is traveling to Vegas to play UNLV. Brock Purdy will be starting in that one. And lastly, it is Fresno State at now number 13, UCLA. UCLA is favored by 11 in the Rose Bowl at 945 on Saturday night. And that is your top 25 rundown. Everyone's playing on Saturday this week, so easy to keep track of. Well, let me tell you, that late night slate is going to be a fun one. Arizona State, BYU, Iowa State to Vegas, and then Fresno State, who has put up a lot of points, goes to the Rose Bowl. Not that I think Fresno State will win that game, but I think they can put up some numbers and probably... We've seen a lot lot crazier things happen. I mean, Fresno State almost beat Oregon. That's true, yeah. Um, Fresno State could win the Pac-12. This I mean, is out, this is outside. Hold on, oh, one more sorry, thing. Sorry. This is also outside the top twenty-five. But I think Hawaii. This is the week. Yes, eleven. Yeah, this is the, the. Let's go. I'll be up till three a.m. watching that game. Oh lord, can't wait. Please don't do that. Why would I not? This is a rare occurrence, Alex. Do you not like college football? Um, I. <laughs> what kind of question is that? You talk. Obviously, you're not willing to stay up till say. till midnight to watch a Hawaii game. Now, make no mistake, if Hawaii... A, a game would, that starts at midnight, mind you. Yeah, Um. look, I'm sorry, but I'll pass on that one. I'll be watching the rest of it. I'll be, you know... Well, whenever that game goes to five overtimes and it's the best game of all time, I'll be laughing. Well, you know, Jacob, I'll we'll, just, we'll be, just watch I'll, when we wake up. I'll just be a case. little tired because I got the privilege of broadcasting an Auburn volleyball match uh, that day. So oh I'll my be a little, gosh! I'll just be a Bless little. Heart, I'll just be Alex. a little, a little exhausted. Bless your heart <laughs> that you go get to watch the undefeated Auburn Tigers in Auburn Arena oh, on I'm, Saturday afternoon. I'm excited afternoon. for it. I, I'm excited uh-huh. for it. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. I am. I hope um, you can stay up for the Auburn Penn State game. Oh, um, yeah, I plan to. Um, I'm excited for a lot of these games. Uh, BYU Arizona State one of the most one of the games I'm most excited for. BYU is red hot. They beat Utah for the first time in, t- in like 11 years. Stormed the field the whole the whole thing. Now they're back at home again in one of the more underrated environments I would say in college football at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. So uh, I think that's a pretty exciting uh, contest as well. That I will be staying up for, no doubt about it. Um, and then just you know going through some of it. Texas A&M against New Mexico, I mean, that's a guaranteed exciting first half of play right there. I mean, do we think Texas A&M scores over 10 points? What? Yes. New Mexico is horrible. 
Hey, they're undefeated right now. Yeah, but they're not a good program. The, look who they look who they beat and by how much. Hey, hey, all I'm saying is look Texas A&M was up by like three and a half against Houston Kent State. They beat Baptist by ten, and they beat New Mexico State by nine. The point was it was Tough a joke, Jacob. It was a terrible joke. It, hey, oh my gosh, everybody's so. I'm mean. sorry, I'm hostile today. We're feisty. <laughs> That's my bad. Clearly, clearly getting a look, getting Jacob's, ready for the. Jacob's for the been Penn tweeting State up game. a storm this morning. I can already tell. <laughs> Actually, right. no, but some notable games outside of the top twenty-five. Yeah. You have San Jose State obviously traveling to Hawaii. Why they're uh, San Jose State's favored by a touchdown. 11:30 p.m. Central Time is your kick on that one. Oklahoma State will be playing at Boise State. Another notable game. Uh, Texas will be hosting Rice. Stanford Vanderbilt battle of the smart schools. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, think, you could call it that. Which we, of course Stanford did get a big win against USC. Got they did. Clay Helton fired. We need, we need to get a new trophy for that. It's Duke, Stanford, and. Um, Crap, who are they playing? You just Vanderbilt. Said yes, Vanderbilt and Northwestern. Um, yeah, we'll just get it. We'll get a little. Group oh, speaking going. of that, oh, the other smart schools are playing. North uh, Duke is hosting Northwestern what? at 3 p.m. Central. So, so yeah, oh my gosh. a very learned Saturday. It's, it's oh my nerd gosh. weekend. Uh, Mississippi State will be traveling to Memphis as uh, Mississippi State continues to make bizarre road trips. And did you see how Memphis banned cowbells? Artificial noisemakers are not allowed in the Liberty Bowl this weekend. Genius. Mm. We'll, we'll see how that works out for very, Memphis. Very smart move. For for a stadium, well, it won't work, I for a stadium you. whose whose logo is a literal bell, that is a bold move. It's just not going to work. Mississippi State fans will find a way. I mean, do they get him into Auburn? Cause yeah, I, I I guess okay. I haven't I don't recall being at a Auburn. Well, I don't recall See, hearing the, it much. the last time Mississippi State came to Auburn, they didn't have much to ring their cowbells about. Oh so. yeah, it was like fifty six to like uh, seven or something like that. Yes. It was bad, wasn't it? And Booby Whitlow scored a touchdown within like a minute of the game. That's so. right. Okay, that that makes sense then. Yeah. All right, USC is going to limp up to Pullman oh, after man. that devastating loss Yeesh. and take on a one and one Washington State team. Baylor will be traveling to Lawrence to play Kansas. Uh, Wake Forest is hosting Florida State, and I think that's it. I mean. Can't find anything else. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's there's some games tonight or tomorrow night rather. Illinois and Maryland in a Big Ten matchup, and then Louisville and UCF in a ye old American Conference matchup. That'll be an interesting one. No, it won't. Gus will put up fifty on them. I mean, no, that that that's exactly why it'll be interesting. Uh, I mean, that's normal old Gus against a bad conf not conference opponent, but a Power Five school that's really bad. It's like the Mississippi State game a few years ago. When Mississippi State was not good, he'll put up 50 on them. There That's is a game point. tonight. The Bobcats of Ohio, who are 0-2, are traveling to Cajun Field in Lafayette, Louisiana, to take on the Raging Cajuns. I'm the Cajuns are favored by three touchdowns. I'm disappointed in Louisiana. Yeah. They should have beat Texas. Not should have, but like I predicted them to. They shouldn't have lost by 20. And they should not have only won by three against Nickel State. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing to see because so far Billy Napier's program has been great, but right now it seems less so. Again, they could certainly rally. We've seen programs have bad starts and then rip off well, ten straight wins. Look at look at their future schedule. Their next three weeks, pretty yeah. easy. And then they host Appalachian State. Then it gets pretty easy until they travel to Troy and Liberty. Yeah, and I mean they avoid Coastal Carolina, but we'll probably run into them in the Sun Belt Championship Correct. game because it's Coastal Carolina. Which I will say, in in regards to that, you know, 11 a.m. We got some games there, but if you wouldn't get a chance to watch Coastal Carolina, I'd honestly encourage it. They're a very fun team to watch. I would compare them to 
and this is not meant to be in terms of how oh, no. good they are. How bad is this going to be? No, no, it's it's not in terms how good they are. It's just in how unique their offense runs. They run very much like a 2013 Auburn where they just caught oh. people by storm. Well, I watched their BYU game last year in a couple of their games, and they run a very different style of offense it's compared to everybody else. Exactly. It's a wing T out of a shotgun. Exactly, and it's just unique, and it's not something you see, and it's really fun to watch, and they're very good. Make no mistake about it. They returned, I think, most of their starters, if not all of them. I'm not entirely certain on the amount, but... It's just really uh, fun to watch, and if you got anybody listening has a chance to watch that game, I'd recommend it because there's a fun team to watch, and they're good. So. I did find two more interesting games in t- a game where both teams desperately need to win. Uh-oh. The Golden Gophers of Minnesota are traveling to play in Folsom Field in Boulder, Colorado, against the Buffaloes. That's a 11 a.m. local time kick, 12 Central, and then in a very Close game. Uh, the two and O Nevada Wolfpack are heading to Manhattan, Kansas, the little apple to take on a two and O Kansas State team. Nevada is only favored by one in that one, so that should be a pretty close game. Unfor- one p.m. Unfortunately, both of those games are not easy to watch. You either have to pay for Nevada and Kansas State, or you have to go out west for Minnesota, Colorado on the Pac-12 network. Well, T- can- Kansas tickets State is, tickets as low as twenty dollars. No, but Kansas State's there on ESP- ESPN Plus, wouldn't it just on the app? You get to pay for that. I thought it was ESPN three that you had to pay no, for. ESPN oh. Plus, you have to pay for. Okay, that that's my bad. Five ninety nine a month. You can always watch Notre Dame on Peacock if you have that. <laughs> oh, I, that made me so angry. I went on the NBC Sports app last week and I was like, "Where is it?" And I was like, "It's the only yeah. game that's on Peacock." You guys got to find y'all's way to find those games. I've been oh, very. I watched it. I've actually been kind what of watched it. I've been pleased. Jacob, what are you advocating for? I watched it. I'm just saying. I've I been very it. pleased with Peacock. Actually, wow. I uh, I watched the Notre Dame game on Peacock and I also watched the Sunday Night Football game on Peacock. Mm-hmm. You know. No issues. It's a nice change of pace. I'll say yeah. that uh, to allude to the same thing Hillman's alluding to. That's fair. All right. Well, we're going to head to a quick break. And when we come back, we've got a lot to talk about, including Jacob Hillman's take on what is going to transpire this weekend in Happy Valley. We also got Daniel, who's traveling up there as well. So three of us are heading up to a hostile environment, if you want to call it that, in Pennsylvania. So we're excited to talk about that on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WeagleFM.com, Eagle Eye TV, or the WEGL YouTube page. However you may be joining us today, thank you so much for listening and watching. Welcome back to Combat Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WEGLFM.com, or however you may be watching or listening to us today. We thank you for doing so on this fine, drizzly Thursday morning. Of course, it is the bottom of the hour, so it is time for your Auburn, Alabama weather report. Uh, Right now, it's 76 degrees, and uh, uh, rain showers are continuing. A little bit windy as well as 8-mile-per-hour winds are emerging out of the east-southeast. We're looking at thunderstorms all the way through the weekend and into next Wednesday. So plan accordingly. Also, if you're heading up to Happy Valley, like me and Hillman and Daniel are, be advised that there is a 50% chance of rain in State College on Saturday. So plan accordingly, and uh, go Tigers. Welcome back to the show, guys. Jacob, Daniel, Alex, how are we feeling about this weekend? We're going to win. I'm not not that confident. I'm optimistic because I still – don't know what Bo Nix is going to do on the road. That's my issue right here. Because That's a fair concern. We we don't we haven't seen him do in, in, in a true road game. With that being said, 2019 his first ever road game in front of 100,000 plus people. Auburn underdogs by 4 points. 
to Texas A&M, and Auburn won. They, it looked handedly, then at the end, things got a little spicy, but... I mean, I think Bo Nix performed okay in that game, and it gave everyone confidence going to the He had a lot of help. I'll yeah, say he that. did. Yes, he did. He played well, but he had help. It, yeah. And I don't think that's going to be enough this week. I think Bo Nix is going to have to perform like he did, not like he did week one, but if he does what he did week one, he's not going to go 20 for 22. He's going to go like he should, you know, 70% completion percentage, no interceptions, and you're not going to be just dinking and dunking the ball. You're going to be getting passes downfield, intermediate routes. So let me say this. How short do you think Bo Nix's leash will be this week? Do you think What do you think it would take for us to see TJ Finley or even Demetrius Davis coming in? That's not going to happen. Not at all. Um, the, leash I, is, the leash is Georgia. Yeah, the, le- the leash is if he plays bad against Penn State and plays bad against LSU, expect something different against Georgia. That's what I would say as well. I mean, because I think, one, if the wideout is as mythical as Penn State fans would have us believe <laughs> – I don't think you understand. Michigan did call a timeout on the first play of the game. Well, I don't know if you've, I, I don't know if you've heard about this. Guarantee you, I don't know if you've heard about this. I guarantee you they are going to try to recreate that. If, and what I'm not going to guarantee, but what I hope happens, is St. Bigsby breaks off a 40-yard run. If I may yes, bring up a point about that moment, that seems like it's the greatest moment in Penn State football for the last 10 years because you can't talk about the last 30. But anyway... Um, <laughs> Anyway, I know anyway, what you're, you're anyway, saying. Anyway, so I, in that in that moment, everybody's like, wow, this is so amazing, guys. Look at this incredible moment. And they blasted Mo Bamba from every loudspeaker in the in the stadium until there were four seconds left on the game clock, which if Auburn wanted to, we could blast any song we wanted in the Iron Bowl until the final four seconds then say, ha-ha, Alabama's quarterback couldn't get a snap off and had to call a timeout. It wasn't – I don't think it was necessarily due because the fans were that loud as much as them blasting music from no. every loudspeaker they had in the, in the so stadium. So here's the thing. I don't – they also – because I think it was a cool moment because it just got everyone jacked up. Now it's, now it's overkilled. It's overkilled. Yeah. It's not as cool anymore. Exactly. I thought it was cool in the moment as well, yes. But I also just think Michigan just was not – like they just, the quarterback wasn't trying to make any signal change or anything. He was just kind of standing there. Yeah, that, that's of, on Shea Patterson, but that's yeah. a whole um, – I just – I don't know. I'm just like – I think the whiteout is really cool. I do. I certainly want to go to one. I plan on going to a Penn State game when they play Ohio State for the whiteout because I think it would be a really cool thing to be in the environment for Penn State. I really do. I think it's cool. But, like, to act as if it is Death Valley at night when it is not. When it is not they are 8-8 eight and eight in whiteout games. Les Miles, as of 2011, was 29-1 in night games at Tiger Stadium. That's not 29-10. That's not... 29 and 8. That's not 29 and 9 like Penn State at Whiteout games. 29 and 1. LSU overall is is winning 75% of their nightout games in their history. 75%. That is an absurd number and it is also 10 percentage points higher than their day games. Let, let me, that deserves the mythos rather than the Whiteout. So game. so to make you disappointed, I'm also thinking that Auburn LSU is going to be a night game. Because Seriously? Alabama Ole Miss will be the 2:30 CBS game. No. Uh, yeah. Ole Miss is 16th in the oh country. Oh my God! Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban, and okay, Alabama. Okay, but but that that's fair. But still, at this point, like I mean, I think the whiteout's really cool. But I like I just don't I don't get it. Look, it's it's to, to what it's all. It's like, a spectacle. It and is. That's what college football is about. True, I college, agree. College football, you'll see the arguments anytime there's a debate on Twitter. What's better, college football or NFL? I'm sure we all agree that college football is better. But there are those out there that say. The product is terrible. Well, that's because those people don't – they probably didn't go to a major university like yeah. Auburn or Penn State 
where game day is such an event. They probably went to a smaller school that didn't quite have a prestigious football program. Whereas, that's what we think. We think. We love spending all Saturday just on campus, listening to the band, all the hype videos, just everything about it is what we love. Whereas, those people are looking at the product on the field so yeah I, no that's fair that's, that's why fair. the wide out is so special I, and i, I think okay. i'm looking forward to it i know i think it's great honestly the only reason i the only reason i hesitate on going is one because first of all long trip and two i would rather experience the first wide out game for me when i can actually root for penn state rather fair. than being in the that's just good like that just seems a lot more fun to me as a fan but again i, I would still be watching the game of course um i don't know it's just it, it's it's getting a little ridiculous rather than just saying Wow, this is really cool, guys. It's just turned into this ridiculous animosity back and forth between everybody saying it doesn't matter versus it actually is the most hostile environment ever and nobody seems to understand. I'm like, guys, just agree. It's really cool. We haven't really talked about football this week. That's the thing. Exactly. That's We what... haven't talked about the game. We've talked about the atmosphere. Exactly. And it, that's all it's been. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think in terms of the game, um, I would like to see – Auburn break break tradition of the last two years of Bonix's career and not have him throw it 35 times on the road because I don't think he needs to. And if he does, it's because Auburn attempts to run the football and fails. But, well, I mean, Penn State allowed 145 yards rushing per game, which one of those games was Ball State. The other was Wisconsin, who we, we know about their rush, rushing performances yeah. over the last decade. That means, yeah, we don't know about Wisconsin yet. We don't know true, how good true, they are. True, true. And a lot of wasted opportunities as well because Penn State is top 10 in the country in red zone defense. But when you watch the film, Brian Harson said it last night on Tiger Talk, they wasted a lot of opportunities, Wisconsin did. Yeah. So it's not, we don't know. The Penn State offense is 90th in the country in red zone offense. So naturally, we're going to get a 45-38 game. But it just, I really don't know about this Penn State team like we don't know about this Auburn team. Yeah. We are learning a lot this week. I don't really know how to phrase this question in a, in a great way, but do you think the burden of proof is more on the offense, or not burden of proof, but rather the, the weight of responsibility to, to come away with a win this weekend is on the defense or the offense? Because I think I if, the, if the defense gets in there, gets a couple turnovers, and sets up the offense, I think that's going to be much more impactful than the offense getting the run game established and the defense collapsing i will say from the fan perspective as in what the reaction will be i don't think any pressure at all will be put on the defense right. because the defense has i mean 2016 and 2019 was made bearable because the defense stopped everybody they played i mean almost i mean the one exception being the iron bowl in 2019 but i mean they stopped everybody and they it was the score o- twice in that it, iron bowl exactly exactly they, i mean they scored two they exactly two touchdowns on that so I don't think the fans will put that burden on them because what people are waiting for, as I mentioned when I was talking with Bay about it earlier, is the offense needs to show up because it hasn't since tw- on road games. They don't. I mean, because of how much pressure's on Bo Nix, that just that's exactly. the whole offense. Yeah. And I don't the way the defense performs will be important because they're gonna have to tackle well. Because I really don't think Wisconsin or Ball State tackled well against Penn State. So I have faith in especially the linebackers especially the defensive yeah. line, a little bit less so the defensive backfield in making those tackles just because of what I saw in the first two games. I do think that the defensive backfield settled in a little bit in the second half against Alabama State. Yeah, definitely. But I really don't know if that's going to translate into Saturday. 
I think it's got to be on the offense. I think it's got to be on the running game. Because, again, I don't know how good Penn State's defense is. Wisconsin gets rushing yards against everybody they play. They've been doing that for 20 years. That's Wisconsin. So I, I don't know how to pass that judgment. But the fact is, if Hunter, Shivers, and Bigsby are all ready to go, I really think this team needs to rely on that and rely on that running game. Because maybe Bo Nix is different. Maybe he is having fun. I don't know. But, like... Nick Brom said he is. But... <laughs> This but could be the year. This is, I mean, Bonix on the road has not been good, and that's not, I mean, again, honestly, he's played in some of the most hostile environments on the planet, so I'm not really holding it that much against him, to be honest, because, again, that also could be an indictment on the Malzahn offense, but lean on the running game. Don't lean on Bonix as these teams have in the past. I don't want to see him thrown it 35 times unless they attempt to run the football and Tank gets negative 10 yards, to be honest. If he's getting yardage, he, Shivers, and Hunter can get decent yardage, they should lean on it. Don't be afraid to especially when you've got three very talented running backs who each bring something very different to the table. I just think I would like to see them lean on that more than passing it so much because that's not this team's strength right now. Maybe it will be when their receivers get more comfortable, but I don't know if it's... See, here's what I'll say about that. I think that it's going to be a week-to-week basis. No, no, I agree. Because look at week one. Shedrick Jackson went off. Week two, Demetrius Robertson went off. And I think it's going to be similar to that where every week, it's going to be kind of a different focus. Depends on the game plan. No, I, I certainly agree. I, I was just saying, like, strictly, I do not believe this passing game will be where it's at because it's just a lot of new wide receivers, a lot of inexperienced wide receivers. I mean, the most experienced guy isn't even from Auburn. He transferred right. in from Georgia. And what, Shedrick Jackson, who's like, I think he's a junior or is he a senior? He He's a senior, and he 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 broke his career high in the first half against Alabama or uh, Akron. Uh, with four catches. Exactly, exactly. Like, the experience is very limited. I think midseason, they could really hit their stride, especially as they head to College Station. But right now, I mean, I don't think it is their strength. Again, I think they're I think they're good, and I think they have a chance to be. But right now, you know, in games like when you're going to Happy Valley, you need that one guy that you can lean on. I don't know if Bo even has that guy right now because he just hasn't played with them that much, which, again, that's not an indictment on any of them. But right now, lean on what you've got, and you've got three very talented running backs, two of which have a lot of experience. So, I just think I'd like to see him lean on that. I would really like to see Bo use John Samuel Schenker, um, his tight end. He's another one that hit his career high, not in the first half, but in that game against Akron. And we've seen the tight ends utilized, but not in the passing game as much. It's only been John Samuel Schenker. He's the only tight end that's been utilized. He's an honorary captain this weekend. And we'll see what happens. But I think that could also be we're not trying to show too much against Akron and Alabama State. Exactly. So we might see Brandon Frazier split out right. We might see John Samuel Schenker run up the scene from the slot position. We'll see what happens on Saturday with the tight end position. It's going to be this will be a very interesting game to really see what the where the Auburn offense is under Harson because these two games haven't really seen that but this will be it. We will see what happens in on in Happy Valley on Saturday. Uh, so excited to get to that. We will continue talking about Auburn and Penn State on the other side of this break as well as previewing Thursday night football where the team redacted will be taking on the New York Giants. So don't go anywhere. We'll continue our discussion in a little bit. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Final segment of the week, so let's get right after it. I'm your host, Jack Carr, joining alongside Alex Houston and Daniel Locke. Jacob Hillman joining us once again to wrap up our college football discussion before moving on to what is happening tonight 
in the nation's capital. So we are going to jump right into things. We've got resident Auburn football expert, president of the Auburn Jungle. We've got resident Washington football team fan, and we've got... Daniel Locke, newcomer to the show. So a great panel to discuss the goings-on of tonight and Indeed. this weekend. Closing well, thoughts on Penn State? I mean, we ready we, wait, should we give predictions? Mm, yes. I won't uh, give scores, course, but I'll uh, give predictions. I'll give a score. Yeah, I'm, I don't want to give a score, but I'll give margin of victory. Okay, fair enough. Are you going to say who wins, though? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, okay. Man. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I do think Auburn gets it done, and I think it's going to be a close game, touchdown game. So Auburn by seven. That that that's my prediction. I do think Bo Nix improves. I don't think he's going to be at the level on the road that we want him to be at, but it's going to be enough to get it done because I do think that the running game will be successful enough where Nix moves towards that, and then LSU. That's where it's really going to come down yep. to. He's going to need to perform there, and of course LSU not that good of a team. So we'll see yeah. exactly what happens. But see what happens. I think Saturday Nix does enough. The running game shines. Auburn by seven. Yep. And for me, I am going a different way. I think Auburn is going to lose this game in a close one, 20-17. I think it'll, it'll go down to the wire, and I think Auburn will respond with a late touchdown in the fourth quarter of Penn State, and that wideout will have a score late to win the game. It'll be close. The Auburn offense will look better than it has in the road in past years. It'll, be, it'll still be a step in the right direction against a good team and their very hostile environment, but I think Penn State's going to get the win 20-17. to 17. Daniel? 20 to 17 Auburn, two touchdowns, two field goals. We get it done. Very, very, very big win for Brian Harson. Yeah, and I think it, it can't be overstated how big of an opportunity this is for Auburn. Whether or not they capitalize it, completely different story. But it, uh, Brian Harson has been gift wrapped a very, a very good opportunity if he is to go out and execute on it um i will say this game to me smacks of 2019 florida as much as i hate to say it oh, i hope the execution is different by bo nix because i think one or two one or two th- one or two balls bounce differently and auburn comes out of the swamp with a win in that one but i like the defense to get a couple turnovers big plays hopefully a strip sack or two would be just fantastic on the team's morale and uh, would be great at quieting that crowd and i think that's going to be you know you got to take the crowd out of it you gotta you gotta make them pay for for talking so much trash this week <laughs> naturally and uh that's that's gonna do it for our discussion on college football if you would like to get your um, opinion on the air you can go ahead and call in at 334-844-9345 and uh, we would love to hear from you or you can tweet at us at cdiscau but with that we are going to throw the ball over to professional football where tonight it is the new york giants heading to landover maryland to play the washington football team in a battle of quarterback greats, Daniel Jones <laughs> and question mark? Who's starting? Well, nah, Taylor, Heineke. Uh, Taylor, Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke. The GOAT, I think is how you need, mean to introduce him. No, no, Danny Dimes is the GOAT. Um, yeah, this is this is, this is is something. It'll be a very interesting night by by any stretch. Um, Daniel Jones, who is 8-19 in his career, has not lost to Washington. He is 4-0. <laughs> he has half of his wins against Washington. Yes. That's incredible. I love it's, the NFL. They... They got so much positive feedback about last night's Thursday night or last week's Thursday night game that they had to make the next one terrible. You I can't mean, have good games on well, Thursday. It's it very much could be a fun nature. game. It could in be. the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. Back to 2019, Monday night football was horrid. Horrid. It was terrible. I remember there was a point where we thought we might get two winless teams on Monday night football. Yeah, it was, I don't think that ended up happening, yeah. but it was terrible. But hey, tonight's that, game. This thing, game 
will be int- oh, go ahead. 2019 first Monday night football Saints Texans Will Lutz hits a game winning field well, goal. That, that was that game was nice, but then after that it was horrific. Yeah, I just didn't even want to watch Monday night football. And th- this this reeks of a lot of the same. Uh, you know, I think <sighs> this game is interesting because a lot of fans are like, oh my gosh, if Washington starts 0 and 2, time to sound the alarm bells. Like they were 2 and 7 yeah. at the week 11 last year. It doesn't really matter. And I don't, okay, I don't mean it doesn't really matter because they should beat New York. I don't think New York is very good at all, and I think Washington is a much better team, to be honest, because I think the Chargers are a very good team, and Washington kept it close last week, despite the fact they lost their quarterback halfway through the game. What do you think happens to the quarterback situation based on this game? If Washington wins this game, Heineke performs well, do you think they stick with him? So, and vice versa, if he doesn't perform well, do you think they try to sign somebody? Heineke is an interesting, interesting player because the fact of the matter is he hasn't played bad yet for Washington. Mm-hmm. His game against Tampa Bay was the best performance of a team against the Bucs. It was that, gutsy. That playoffs. It was gutsy. Like, the, the Chiefs weren't close, and Rodgers honestly looked worse than Heineke did, which is insane to say, but that's the reality of how it was. And, um, I mean, I think, you know, I think everything about Heineke says he shouldn't start you know you go get Fitzpatrick why would Heineke a guy from Old Dominion who was who was studying for his exam when they signed him last year why would he be a good player but the fact is the team rallies around him and the team plays for him and he's been good so far I don't think he Chase Young said he could start any team in the league that's ridiculous but that's Chase Young hyping up his quarterback that's what he's done Chase Young has taken on that type of leadership vocal leadership role for the team I'm fine with that I think it's funny I think it's it's going to energize the team. By all means, say that. I don't think he could do that, but the fact is he's been good, and he's been better than a lot of the quarterbacks Washington has had in the last 30 years of quarterback carousel because that's what's happened. I mean, Jack and I have experienced the Taylor Heineke experience as a Panthers fan. He was, coming was in he, for he, I thought he was pretty bad in, in uh, Carolina. He wasn't terrible. I, I have, remember him being I okay. little recollection. <laughs> I remember it, and he was not – I don't have the stats in front of me, but – I remember was, that, that number eight in, in blue and black, but I don't remember much yeah. about the performance. Well, he – he he did okay. He he did better in that Tampa Bay game by far, and even last week yeah. in in filler roles. So yeah, exactly. I mean, I just you know I think I think you know stop the carousel for now. Leave it to Heineke, and if Heineke's playing good by the time Fitzpatrick comes back, keep Heineke in because Terry McLaurin has played with ten quarterbacks in yeah. thirty games, which is the most insane thing. And I mean. He, he even said, I just want consistency. Whatever it is, he just wants to – he's had a different quarterback every three games based on the numbers, which is an insane, insane. The whole – the the weapons that Washington has on offense, it's insane for them to have waste them this year. Yeah, exactly. Gibson, exactly. McLaurin, Logan Thomas, and there's several guys on and the Curtis bench. And Curtis Samuel who eventually Samuel, show up. Yes, don't <laughs> – of course, I would forget him as a Panthers fan, but it's just – those exactly. guys, you cannot waste this year. Because exactly. I still think that it's Dallas's division to lose, but you've got every piece except quarterback. Exactly, and that's why I say, you know, stick with Heineke. If it works out, you make the playoffs and you've got a direction to go. If it doesn't, he's horrible and you get to draft a quarterback. Either way, I, I don't. I, I just don't think the constantly changing and not getting well, any answer is... Do you want a quarterback from this upcoming draft? I don't know who I want. Well, so one thing is, um, and this is a, a thing I mentioned to you guys, is that Washington in signing Fitzpatrick this year was not a long-term solution. What Washington's trying to do is they're trying to posture themselves to get a free agent quarterback. They're trying to say, look at the defense. It's good. Look at our weapons. They're really good. Fitzpatrick could showcase them better than any quarterbacks last year could because the quarterbacks last year did not do a good job of putting that on display. They didn't. Alex Smith had one leg. That's not an indictment on him. He did great, but you couldn't showcase the offense. So right now... 
This is kind of the, hey, guys, who may want to leave your team. Look at our team that has everything except a quarterback, as you just mentioned. Not saying it'll work, but I think just keeping Heineke and allows that to happen. Aaron Rodgers to the Washington football team? I mean... A little sunset season? It, mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. the craziest idea, really. It's he not. can't beat the Saints. That, I don't want to talk about that right now because I drafted him in fantasy and he got me a point. But anyway, um, I just think... I think this game is pivotal just to show that they're going in the right direction. I think a win over Daniel Jones is what Ron Rivera needs to be like, hey, guys, at least I'm not. Because I think the Giants look miserable. They yeah, looked awful look last week. And they got a lot of injuries. The defense is coming off a bad week against, you know, uh, Los Angeles the Chargers. But Heineke's getting a full week of practice. You know, he's getting more comfortable with McLaurin, who he's always been in all the games he's played. This is an opportunity. And I think Washington needs to seize it. And because they need to get fans to come back to that stadium, because last week that was another thing. Well, it was pitiful. Hopefully they don't get sewage spilled on them whenever they do return. Look, I hate that stadium. Everybody hates the stadium. There's not a single Washington fan that actually enjoys that stadium. So it's we're right now. What Washington's doing is they're buying time to announce. The theory is they're going to announce their new name with new stadium plans. Is the playing surface at least fixed? Yes. No. Okay. They we're no longer we are no longer the, the, the surface that, that killed RG three. We are yeah. no longer that surface anymore. That is now belonging to San Francisco. All um, right. We've improved. So so tonight, seven twenty p.m. Central Time is your kick. Yep. On NFL Network, I believe Washington is favored by three and a half in this one. They are, of course, playing in the toilet bowl itself, FedEx Field. New York Giants traveling to take on the team redacted on Thursday Night Football. So go ahead and check that one out if you are interested in seeing a tire fire. Uh, I think is a, is a diplomatic way of putting it. I'm just saying. That's fair. I'm just saying you're on a big high horse for a Panthers fan. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Look, want to know? The Jets. Want to know? Oh my God. Want to know? Tune in at a at noon. See the Panthers and their respective tire fire. I, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, it's a Sunday. Not looking forward to that. All oh, right, y'all yeah. playing again? Uh, Saints. Oh. Daniel Saints. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You know what? Uh, Jameis Winston's trainer said to be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. That's all you need. Just, yeah, be, just prepared. be prepared. Hey, all I can hope for is <laughs> to be he prepared. backs up his five touchdowns with five interceptions this week. You know, that, that'd be, that'd you be, know. That'd be the Jameis Bermuda Triangle right The, the, there. T- the turnover bakery is once again open. His eyes are fixed, bro. Yeah, the LASIK probably did make a difference. Eat that dub. All right, if you want a breakdown of the rest of the NFL weekend, you can go ahead and listen to this scoreboard that's coming on at 2 p.m. today yep. right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WeagleFM.com, however you're listening to Compact Discourse. You can... Get the scoreboard. We also have a podcast. You can listen PSA break free to this show. Uh, watch our YouTube live stream. You can watch a video on demand. We had Bay Marks join us for Uniform Factor, our favorite segment. So if you want to see the uniforms we talked about, you can watch our YouTube live stream. And then we got Through the Lens coming out tomorrow. Yes, exactly. Through the Lens coming out tomorrow with Davis, who joined us earlier in the show. We got Alex on that one as well. They're talking Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi trilogy. So if you love Spider-Man, if you're hype for the movie coming out December 17th, be sure to check that one out as a primer to get ready for the expansion of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Daniel, ready to go to Penn State this weekend? I'm so pumped. It's going to be a great weekend. Yeah, looking at my clock right now, about 24 hours till I uh, gas up the tank and hit the road for Happy Valley. Hillman, you are, are you are you driving? You afraid to get on the plane? No. Okay. No. Yeah, uh, I'm driving. Yeah, me and Tobias are hitting the road tomorrow at 10 a.m. All. All I can hope is that this traveling experience is better than the Oregon. No speeding tickets. Uh, maybe your Uber will get a speeding tip- ticket. Oh, Gus, that would be fun. That'd be pretty. That'd be a story. It would be a good story. It would be the most typical way for my trip to go. Is my Uber driver gets uh, anything for a, anything for a dub? 
Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Alex. And thank you, Daniel, for joining me on the show today. Hope you guys have a great weekend and War Eagle as always. And to you, the use of you listening, thank you so much for listening to this exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. However you joined us today, whether that be from your radio antenna, WEGLFM.com, or by listening to our podcast, we would like to remind you that all of our previous episodes are available as a podcast, commercial-free, wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Compact Discourse. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CDISCAU, that's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U, for links to the podcast, important information about the show, and updates. You can also tweet at us to get your voice on the show. You might want to go ahead and follow the station at WEGL underscore AU on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok to get all the updates about what is going on at WEGL, Auburn's student-run radio station since 1971. And for that, with that, for Jack Hart, Jacob Hillman, Alex Houston, Davis Carroll, Daniel Locke, we had JP, we had Will Root, we had Bay Marks, we had a whole cast of characters on the show this week. We'll see you next week, Monday morning, to talk about Auburn's hopeful win against Penn State on Saturday. We'll be back at 8 a.m. Monday morning. Thanks so much for listening. As always, I'm Jack Hart, and as always, War Eagle. There's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run.